Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Mostly Friday light. Berkeley traffic a little sluggish. There's a crash reported. It is problem Livermore, 580 eastbound at the North Livermore on-ramp. The freeway problem is at the Bay Bridge Toll Plaza where it's starting to back up toward the maze. Not quite, but westbound past the metering lights might be a new crash. Joe McConnell for KQED. If you listen to KQED radio in the mornings, chances are good you've heard Joe McConnell. 101 San Francisco, before hospital curve, north of Cesar Chavez, still have a crash. The traffic reporter has been at it for 31 years, delivering live traffic reports as often as six times an hour on KQED. That's the public radio station where this podcast, Bay Curious, is made. His reports reach millions of people in their cars and at work. People like our question asker, Trish Taylor of Redwood City. Trish is amazed at how it sounds like Joe is right there on the side of the road, often describing whatever mundane object is blocking the lane. San Pablo Dam Road, two right lanes, looks like a broken pallet, some boxes, and a whole bunch of nails. Walnut Creek, southbound 680, it looks like a bathtub in the right lanes near the tree. Vasco Road, north of Livermore, not one, not two, but CHP trying to wrangle at least a dozen cows in the lanes. She wants to know how Joe and other traffic reporters stay on top of the traffic. I'm Olivia Allen Price. This is the Bay Curious Podcast, the show where we take your questions and have some fun finding the answers. Today, the evolution of traffic data. Buckle up. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hi there, I'm Randa Adelfettah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. Now, to answer Trisha's question, I first needed to find Joe McConnell. Even though listeners hear him on KQED radio, he works for a company called Total Traffic and Weather Network. A lot of radio stations use the company for their traffic news. Joe invites me and a video producer to the unexpected place where he broadcasts his traffic reports. Hey, Joe. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? We didn't want to interrupt. Good. Good. It's uh, tight quarters in here, but, but here it is. Right. Come on in. Cool. For a traffic reporter, Joe has an ironically short commute. Uh, yeah, it's uh, arduous. Uh, it's, uh, it's about 60 feet or so. He walks outside his house, crosses the yard, and heads into the small shed he turned into a studio a few years back. 
and you know look it's chilly out here I mean uh, and sometimes it rains and I have to put a special hat on and <laughs> so that the rain doesn't get on my face <laughs> Inside the shed is something of a traffic war room. There's a small TV showing local news. Two computer monitors display traffic maps and roadside cameras. A microphone hangs, ready and waiting. There's also a coffee pot. What time do you wake up? About 4.20ish, and uh, I'm out here just a little after 5 o'clock. When building each traffic report, Joe uses a few different sources. I look at the CHP webpage, I look at the SigAlert maps, I look at the Caltrans Quick maps, I look at our internal software to find out what, uh, what they know that I don't know, uh, and I look at my, the cameras over here, the Bay Ridge Toll Plaza uh, is one I keep up all the time. And what about those mundane objects in the road that Trish asked about? Joe finds those details in the California Highway Patrol reports. So the short answer to Trish's question Traffic reporters use a combination of government and private websites. But it wasn't always this easy. In the 1950s, Bay Area sprawl was underway, and once rural areas were transformed into the suburbs. The Bay Area became a much more sprawling place with a lot more people, most of whom were driving cars. This is John Goodwin with the Metropolitan Transportation Commission, or MTC. John says with all these people now commuting to work, a need rose for traffic reporting. At first, it was done by the eyes in the sky. The traffic helicopters that would fly over the, uh, the freeways report back uh, to the ground, and the uh, drivers would receive this information via their in-dash radio. Then there was the less glamorous job, reporting from the ground. So they would have a reporter actually on the road, you know, traveling from... Oakland to Fremont and back. Typically, these, these vehicles would, would travel a, a prescribed loop. Someone would basically get paid to sit in traffic, then tell listeners how long it took. Things worked this way for decades. But then, in the early 2000s, a little device changed the game. Things move a little quicker when you're driving with me. I'm a fast track tag and I'm absolutely free. All over the bay, I got it under control. I get you through faster when you pay your toll. The fast track system introduced first at the Golden Gate Bridge and then ultimately on the, uh, on the rest of the bridges. And that became a way to, um, to gather information. The MTC set up sensors that would track how long it took a car with a fast-track transponder to get from point A to point B. This was the first time that drivers could get precise point-to-point travel estimates using 511. But there were problems. Uh, the system worked better where there were a lot of fast-track tags. So that was really the, uh, the inner Bay Area. So this fast-track method, it wasn't used very long. Another little device was on the rise. At the time, the smartphones of the moment were the E71 or the N95 from Nokia. Uh, I believe the iPhone 1 at the time did not have a GPS and Android did not even exist. This is Alex Bayan, a UC Berkeley professor and the director of its Institute of Transportation Studies. In 2007, he worked on one of the first traffic apps in North America that used GPS data from smartphones. Most of the smartphones today have a GPS, and these GPS can sample anybody's position and speed to a certain extent uh, every second, or even faster than that. These days, GPS data is what powers most of the sources that KQED traffic reporter Joe McConnell uses. 
It's also what powers the traffic apps that you probably use, like Google Maps, Waze, or Apple Maps. So any app that you turn on that has some form of geolocation, uh, whether it's a navigation app, whether uh, it's an app uh, such as a social network, whether it's even a game, um, has the ability to collect that GPS data uh, and potentially to send it uh, to third party. Your wireless service provider could also be sharing your location data or even the company that makes your car. Chances are good if you've got a phone in the car, you are a data point perhaps many times over, simultaneously a provider and a consumer of traffic data. So Trish, the long answer to your question is Joe McConnell gets that traffic information from you. The move to GPS data has largely been a good thing. It's helping us understand traffic better and get around quicker. But there is one big downside. Studies show our use of navigational apps is causing some problems. And the number one problem it has created is the emergence of new traffic jams in residential areas that, you know, used not to be there before. And that has been a big problem in California, and that's a big problem all around the world. You know the scenario. There's a wreck up ahead, and oh look, the app says you can save seven minutes by taking this 10-mile detour through some small town. Sounds like a good idea, right? So you exit the highway. But the problem is, so do a lot of other drivers. There's constant confusion in the mind of people that... You know, getting the fastest path to your destination is good for traffic, is good for society. It's not true. It's the opposite. It uh, can, in many cases, result to a worse off situation than if people were not doing it. Right now, these apps are not good at predictive routing, Alex says. They don't think ahead to the traffic jam that they'll create if they send 200 cars down a residential street. Some cities have started to fight back. Alex says a few have reprogrammed their traffic lights to slow down traffic headed through residential areas. At the end of the day, it's not helping apps when they create new traffic jams in places that didn't have them before. Um, And it's not good for the public sector to be subjected to these massive inflows of vehicles that they can control. He argues if the public and private sectors can collaborate on a solution, it could be a win-win scenario. As things are now, everybody's losing. Our question asker this week was Trish Taylor of Redwood City. Trish, we've got a brand new Bay Curious Thermos in the mail for you. To learn more about what being a traffic reporter is all about, visit baycurious.org. There's a video featuring Joe McConnell and KQD's evening traffic reporter, Julie Deppish. That video was produced by Adam Grossberg. Bay Curious is made in San Francisco at KQED. I'm Olivia Allen Price. Can I give it a shot? Sure. All right. We got. A, I got a time to 30 seconds. In two, one. All right, we're pretty slow at the Altamont Pass where an accident has the right lane blocked. It's a two-car crash involving a flatbed pickup and a car blocking the right lane. Also, the ACE train, number trains one, three, and seven are running on time. Oh, I shouldn't have read that one. That's not very interesting. <laughs> uh, major delays on BART. The Bayfair station has reopened, but uh, things are still uh, backed up after major delays earlier this morning. Olivia Allen Price, KQED News. Very good. I don't know. I feel like sometimes if it was really bad, I would be like, yeah, you know, just get out of your cars and walk. It's it's just so bad. It's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes that uh, that is the best advice. 
Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest, and I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just... What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.